us who actually work on Palestine clearly, we know what this is. This is called creating facts on the ground, which we know that Israel is doing in its colonialism, uh, racism, and apartheid. The Electronic Intifada. The Electronic Intifada. The Electronic Intifada. This is the Electronic Intifada podcast. I'm Nora Barrows-Friedman. And I'm Asa Winstanley. Welcome back to the Electronic Intifada podcast. I'm Nora Barrows-Friedman. Mondo Weiss reported that in February, quote, a faculty panel unanimously sided with Professor Rabab Abdulhadi at San Francisco State University in a grievance she filed through her union, the San Francisco State Chapter of the California Faculty Association. Abdulhadi's grievance reiterated her demand for SF State to fulfill its outstanding commitment to build Arab and Muslim ethnicities and diasporas studies, or AMED studies, by hiring two additional tenure-track faculty members institutionally supporting the department, stopping the attempt to discredit AMED, and ending the creation of the hostile work environment to which Rabab has been subjected for at least 13 years for her directorship of AMED and her refusal to abandon it. Thanks to Mondo Weiss for, for first reporting on that. And in early March, Rabab's colleague, Professor Tomomi Kinukawa, also had held a grievance hearing against the university's cancellation of the AMED open classroom program. Meanwhile, Rabab still faces cancellation and censorship. Students at Cardozo for Israel-Palestine, a group at the Cardozo School of Law at Yeshiva University in New York City, say they had planned and advertised for an event with Rabab called, quote, Forms of Activism for Liberation in Palestine, scheduled for March 1st. Students say, quote, we sought to provide a platform for students on ways to collaborate with other lawyers, scholars, and organizers in activist and intellectual spaces, regardless of students' professional pursuits. But less than a week before the event, the dean of Cardozo informed them that the president of Yeshiva University moved to cancel the event without their consent. They say, quote, we then discovered that the school canceled our room reservation and catering order as well. Joining us to talk about all of this is Rabab Abdulhadi and Tomomi Kinukawa. Rabab and Tomoni, thank you so much for being with us on the Electronic Intifada podcast. Welcome back. For having us. It's really great to be back. Thanks. Um, so... As I mentioned, um, there have been updates in your grievance hearings uh, against San Francisco State because of the ongoing censorship and repression of your department. Um, the university's faculty senate ren rendered its unanimous decision in support of both your grievances, Rabab, and this one includes regarding your academic freedom as well as contract violations and creating hostile work environment only to have them both vetoed uh, by the university's president, Lynn Mahoney. Um, and this is all because the Israel lobby has for years targeted you um, and your colleagues uh, because of the work that you do for scholarship on Palestine. Both grievances now will go to legal arbitration, which could be a very lengthy process. What happens now? Give us an update on, on your case. Well, let me uh, back up and just say that it was actually the faculty hearing panel is uh, is very important because it's a process that's part of our collective bargaining agreement mm -hmm. between as faculty workers at the university and the employer, employees and employers. And sometimes the university tries to present us that we are one big happy family. 
And we'd love nothing more as faculty because we chose uh, the career of teaching to educate, to, to educate, to learn, to pass on our knowledge to younger people and so on. It's not really for fame or fortune, as everybody knows that. So uh, uh, the, 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 the problem, the faculty hearing panel, what's really, really important about it is that it's selected randomly by faculty who serve at their own time at free, while the university is represented by uh, people from the university who actually get paid, including the witnesses that the university brings, the deans, the associate deans, the dean of faculty, the provost, anybody they bring are actually on that. So that, in that already we're talking about a big discrepancy. But the fact the faculty hearing panel that is constituted jointly by the university and the union, so it's a very lengthy process, it's very, very complicated lengthy process that, uh, the, the, and, and, and we know some people, we do not know everybody, and so it's basically, it, they go just down the line and they select and unless there are major objections, we don't know. So the fact that our colleagues came and said, this is really wrong twice. First, they said that the university in both, they said that the university harmed me and my colleague, Professor Kinakawa, in shutting down our open classroom, a gender, uh, whose narratives, gender justice and resistance, a conversation with Leila Khaled. September 23rd, 2020, demanded that they apologize to us, that the university apologized to us. And first, they said that we were harmed because the university was arguing that we were not harmed. And I think this is something we really need to talk about because our labor, our work, the amount of anguish we go through is completely discounted. And what we what we had to go through, which Professor Kinakawa um, can also speak about because they have their own grievance as well, which is joint with mine. And secondly, that the university should apologize to, to us both. And third, that the university should have the panel ASAP without delay. This is they're very reasonable. They're not really outrageous uh, uh, claims or, or, or demands. Or the, This is the first one in academic freedom, especially because President Mahoney keeps claiming that she supports academic freedom. And people praise her for, for speaking for academic freedom and so on. So if she's speaking for academic freedom, why are her deeds? against academic freedom and when the when the faculty panel came that was chosen by the university and the union to say you really should do that the the university president vetoed vetoed it and said i'm against it why would you veto it why aren't you allowing it to happen the second grievance was as you mentioned it was around ahmed studies and the breach of contract and the hostile work environment and the university enlisted the Dean of the College of Ethnic Studies, the Associate Dean of the College of Ethnic Studies, and the Dean of Faculty, who came and uh, practically spun tales, which the faculty panel saw through, and we provided evidence. And, uh, and I should say, in the first uh, hearing, I was represented by my colleague, Dr. Sang Hee Kil, who is a professor at San Jose State University, who herself has won her own grievances for the constitution of a hostile work environment, for discriminations against uh, feminists and queer professors of color and so on. Actually, one our colleague two weeks ago also won a grievance at San Jose State University. It's outrageous what's going on at our campuses. And then the second panel, I was represented by Professor Larry Hanley, was a professor of English and member of the executive board of the uh, faculty, uh, uh, California Faculty Association, San Francisco State Chapter. So both are actually academics. They're not lawyers. They're not really legal experts. But it was also a team effort by many people who came together, put this together. We work, work with each other, and everybody was really a labor of love. 
And what the university president did basically slapped us across the face. I mean, the second one said, no, uh, we're not going to, we're against it, we're not going to. And they what, they what they did is they used technicalities. They'll say, oh, you could have filed uh, this again 42 days afterwards and so on. And the faculty hearing panel saw through it and said, the, the hostile work environment is ongoing. The fact that you're refusing to hire faculty is ongoing because Ahmed is not allowed to grow. And I am, I'm, there is, the university is causing me harm and they ordered the university to apologize as well. And they actually, what's really significant, they ordered the university to hire at the associate and full professor level because they were reasoning that if the university had hired 15 years ago, the faculty members would now be, if they were even assistant professors just out of grad school, would the, you know, sometimes you hire people on the promise that they will get the PhD. Even if they were hired out of grad school, by now they would have become associate and full professor. And actually this is the case at San Francisco State. Uh, so the, they, they, they saw through it and they sought remedies that address structural problems that Ahmed studies must be built that we need faculty, that it is impossible for me to continue to be one-person program, that I'm not only building the academic program, that I'm, I'm teaching alone, and now I'm in, in the same dilemma. I, I submitted the courses for the fall and for the spring of next year, and I'm still being kind of like volleyball between different parts of the university. And the only explanation we can find, and the only explanation that actually affected the hearing panel was convinced with, as well as many people who are reading about it and hearing, is that the university is putting obstacles, creating all sorts of technical uh, difficulties, using every single bureaucratic trick in, in the book, using quote unquote business as usual, business decisions. And it's, I mean, those of us who actually work on Palestine clearly, we know what this is. This is called creating facts on the ground, which we know that Israel is doing in its colonialism, uh, racism, and apartheid against the Palestinian people. You come up with sort of innocuous forms where there's thousands and thousands of orders, and then you say, oh, it's only technical. It's technical. None of it is really intended to be discriminatory or racist or whatever, it's technical. But actually, but the beauty is that the faculty hearing panel saw through that and said that this is what needs to be done. The, so that's really, really two, two big major, we believe. One of them has to do about the ability to speak on uh, an advocate for justice in for Palestine as part of the indivisibility of the justice and legitimizing teaching Palestine within the curriculum, which you know it has been an ongoing battle because the Zionist groups and their right-wing allies, and by the way, we should also remember that it wasn't just Zionist groups who were very much opposing, it was the Zionist groups, it was the corporate university, San Francisco State University president and their corporate allies, including Zoom. And it was also the right-wing groups because we've been targeted by campus reform, by every single uh, right-wing group, uh, uh, Christian United for Israel. I mean, they all, Doug Lamborn, who's a right-wing congressman from Colorado, uh, they said, and, and I mean, it's been really, um, and I, I know uh, my colleague Tomomi can speak, more about that, what we were subjected to. So it's what this is. This is a coalition. We're talking about people who are on the right, who actually practice, advocate racism, Orientalism, Islamophobia, and we would argue, uh, uh, Dr. Kenakawa and I, col colonial feminism. This is really also colonial feminism that draws on all the tropes of how Arab, Muslim, and Palestinian. Uh, women, men, gender non-binary, uh, the, the feminist and queer groups, and so on. We are constructed as being excessively terroristic, bloodthirsty, irrational, angry terrorists, 
uh, uh, exceedingly homophobic, exceedingly sexist. I mean, this is kind of like the university, the head university leaders uh, did that. And I would just maybe stop at that. And because I know uh, Professor Kinakawa and I have been kind of like in a, an ongoing conversation. For <laughs> yeah, you have. <laughs> Thank you, Rabab. Yeah, Tomomi, um, talk to us about the hearing that you uh, were subjected to um, earlier in March and you know, kind of how you see the the uh, reactionary forces inside academia, inside the Israel lobby, inside these right-wing groups that Rabab mentioned, um, all kind of coalescing to try and stifle uh, speech about Palestine in your classroom. Yes, thank you. So um, I filed my own grievance that is um, identical with Dr. Dr. Hadi's um, grievance um, about the silencing of our open classroom. And um, on March 18th uh, this year, I finally got the hearing for the grievance. And prior to that, um, I, as Dr. Abdul Hadi mentioned, like when the faculty panel unanimously ruled uh, in favor of Dr. Abdul Hadi's grievance, for a moment I thought maybe I don't have to continue my grievance, but then um, like uh, President Mahoney vetoed it. And so that, and and then again, for the second um, grievance that uh, Dr. Abdul Hadi's second grievance again. And so, um, so that, that kind of uh, created, that's the context of my grievance. And um, so, well, the starting with what we have to go through, I think in a, I mean, uh, in response to what Dr. Abdurhadi already um, described, I think what I, I would add is that um, yeah, it's like the, from the very beginning, um, like both President Mahoney and also Provost um, Summit, like um, it was very clear that they were um, using the language of the Zionists and um, and like um, sending us the threatening email without even checking their own lawyers and um, like repeating what the Zionist uh, organizations claimed and um, and they just like they said like they they are like champion of academic freedom while um they have no like they has shown any they had shown no help to protect our academic freedom and um and especially the um uh, they didn't like they they never like they knew that like the law fair project which was um the, the organization that kind of, um brought our case to the department of justice like you know the um accusing the as a kind of material support for terrorism, that organization has been attacking Dr. Abdurhadi for a long time and the university had a full knowledge of it, but they have never criticized that organization, the racist, um, their racist attack on Dr. Abdurhadi and Ahmed. And, I could, and then they continue to kind of use the um, Zionist conflation you know, between critique of um, like apartheid state of Israel with anti-Semitism. And um, they never, I mean, like, 
I mean, and then like, you know, that there is a lot of um, like the, the anti-Zionist Jewish scholars and activists who have been making the point for a long time in public and also on ISFSU campus too, Dr. Abdurhadi uh, organized like, um, you know, like teachings and um, open classrooms um, about the issue. And also our colleagues like um, who were also panelists for the open classroom wrote to um, like a President Mahoney about like the whole issue and so it's not like it's not like they didn't know but um they did they, they chose not to critique and i mean make the points and that's like as a like a feminist scholars like it is i mean i don't know like it is it is um well disappointing to say the least but um um, and it is also embarrassing um, and um, intellectually, and um, so and so that also like I mean the the fact that we had to deal with that, um, and then um, we had to kind of work really hard to um, counter the discrediting of our work by the, our leaders of our institution. That's been really. Um, that's been a huge toll on us, um, and um, so we had to defend ourselves. Like we are put into in the position to be defending ourselves in front of our students, uh, in front of our colleagues who are very much confused, right? Like uh, because you know these high power and like academics were um, siding with Zionists, um, and so. So that's a violence that we had to go through, and like, and also, and then through that experience, I, you know, like it is only a, a tip of iceberg. Like it's the silencing of the open classroom is like only a, a part of the pattern that has going on for over you not know, fifteen years, um, and uh, against Dr. Abdurhadi and Ahmed, and like, and this um, astro nomical labor that Dr. Abjihari had to put, you know, in, in like to defend, uh, to not defend, to protect Ahmed so that the like amazing program will continue to be available for our students, our communities, um, all of us. And so, so the, it's been really, I mean, like, um, I, I don't know. Um, that in itself, I mean, like the yeah. the readiness the, the university has been doing that in itself, like it's um, it's very difficult to um, live with, um, and um, emotional labor has like we had to um, suffer from lots of emotional labor and like trauma from this whole experience, and, um, and so sorry, going going to our. That, so my grievance hearing. So um, a grievance hearing. It's it's it took a while for me to be able to actually have the hearing. There were lots of postponements and so forth. But then um, on March 18th, finally there was the hearing, and um, everything uh, on our side team um, was going well. Um, Dr. Kyo was already mentioned, who um, represented me, and um, we were presenting strong case um, and we the 
chair of the um, faculty hearing panel for uh, Dr. Abdulhadi's uh, grievance, um, Dr. Andreana Clay, who was one of the witnesses. And uh, so she offered a witness, very strong, powerful witness um, in support of us. And um, so we, so we got to, so like, so I present, I did open um, statement and then we had a Dr. Clay's um, testimony and Dr. Kill's presentation. And, um, but then the um, hearing had to be adjourned uh, abruptly. Um, it, it was, uh, I mean, the um, university's representative's father passed away suddenly. Um, and so the, the, we had to adjourn. And um, so the, and then since then it's been almost two weeks, but um, I have not heard from the university like how we are going to reschedule the rest of the hearing. So everything is kind of, um, I mean, like we are just, I'm very much confused like of how the rest of the process will happen. And uh, we, we are still waiting to hear back from the administrators, how we are going to proceed from here. Right. And if, like in Rabab's case, the faculty panel agrees with your grievance and upholds it and says that the university has done harm to you as a professor and as a scholar, um, Lynn Mahoney, the, the president of San Francisco State, can veto it at, at her will anyway. Um, so so we're dealing with like two, three cases going to arbitration. And this is all to, you know, be able to teach in your classrooms to your students who want to learn from you. Um, you know, when you when you kind of take a step back and and and, you know, look at it from a from a broader perspective. I mean, this is all meant this is a very, you know, uh, regular, uh, familiar tactic with the Israel lobby, with powerful politicians who want to suppress, you know, criticism of Israel, where they try and make activists, advocates, uh, scholars so tired and so weary and so frustrated that they're spending, you know, more than a decade of their life and, and, you know, scholarly work dedicated to, to filling out forms and going to grievance hearings, <laughs> you know, it's all meant to, to kind of wear you down. Um, yeah. How? Yeah, go I'm ahead, Rebab. I was going to ask, like, how, how you deal with that. Yeah, I mean, I was just actually thinking about during the 1987 Intifada of the Stone, and I always say, I don't say Intifada first and second and so on, and you know my 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 argument about that, that it wasn't the first. People called it the first, okay. But uh, you remember that Ishaq Rabin, uh, the, at the time the Minister of War of Israel, not Defense, uh, ordered a policy of might, force, and beatings to break the arms of young Palestinian children. Yeah, and they don't the call breaking it, the bones them, policy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Breaking the bones to take them out of battle so they would not, first intimidation, creating a chilling environment, and also take them out 
for three, four months until the arms uh, heal. And then, and we saw, we saw it on CBS News, actually two Israeli soldiers breaking the, 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 the elbow of a, of a young kid that they were doing it again and again and again. And there is all these tactics that we talk about collective punishment, because I think if we think about it, uh, uh, there are parallels. It's not, there are, of, course, of course, it's not exactly the same, but they remind us of how those in power who are upholding undemocratic, unjust uh, practices, because they are catering and connecting with particular forces, and it, certainly this is what San Francisco State University administration is doing, whether we're talking about uh, President Len Mahoney, we're talking about Provost Summit, we're talking about the deans, uh, several deans who've been involved in it, whether we talk about the whole CSU system, that just two weeks ago, we know about the whole scandal of actually giving a sweetheart deal to uh, the Chancellor Castro, who was covering up sexual harassment. Meanwhile, they say, oh, San Francisco State CSU is sexually harassment-free campus and so on. If it is free campus, how come you're giving him these millions of dollars as, as if you are rewarding him of actually consolation prize? And if it hasn't been for the activism of the faculty, the students, the staff unions, the unions and so on, who spoke up and so on, the next day there was a hearing at CSU last week with the Board of Trustees. That's when then they had to reverse their decision and so on. But they think of it as business as usual because they're treating us as a corporation. It is it's sort of like that we're working for them and we're supposed to obey. And they are supposed to say jump and we say how high. And this is exactly the same thing that they are doing. What they are, and this is, and I'm saying, and I'm bringing it in because people sometimes separate. They think that the universe is a different space than the Israel lobby. That than the right wing forces and so on because I think we could also just like briefly this is not that we done the topic here we don't have enough time but remember what happened when the uprisings rose up for Black Lives again after the murder of George Floyd you remember how the the, the people who were protesting were called thugs were called looters were called all sorts of names violent angry angry mobs and so on. I mean, this this has this is this is very similar tactics. Ruin the reputation of people, character assassination, bad mouth them, uh, bring the tanks. They brought in the tanks and tear gas and curfews. We know this very well. Those of us who either work on Palestine or have grown up or under other repressive systems, because it's not exceptional to Palestine. It's something that we're dealing with and focusing on. But this is what they are doing. They perfected that and they collaborate with each other. I mean, only two weeks ago, Jew Jewish Voice for Peace in New York exposed the Anti-Defamation League saying, oh, this is really very bad. This is give, getting us egg on our faces. We might, we really need to kind of slow down this whole collaboration. So on. But they cannot slow it down. They may be able to do it as public relations because the whole raison d'etre of Israel is a military garrison state. It's a settler colonial military garrison that is losing the battle in public opinion, that is losing the, the main source of its support in the United States. The United States is a very important place, not only because of the billions of dollars of military and economic aid and unconditional support that Israel gets and how, but it's also because for, for, the, for, for Israel to use to lose and for the Zionists to lose the grassroots support that's growing more and more and more, more and more and more among old people, but more and more and more among Jewish people, among younger Jewish people as well, that are saying, no, you can't, I, you can't speak in my name. What you're doing is not in my name. So what they're trying to do, they do these multiple tactics that we've seen before, chilling environment, 
making you isolated, radioactive, so nobody will actually dare talk to you because if they, they're going to be punished as well, making you the poster child, the model, to kind of like silence everybody else. And we know so many cases in the academy. We know so many cases of the students and so on. It's inside and outside of the academy. It co coincides with all the anti-BDS bills and the against critical race theory, against uh, women and gender studies. Every single day we hear about it. And the one, one thing that's really important about the movement now is that people are actually seeing the connection. It has been a very long time before people actually saw the connection. We're saying Palestine is not exceptional. And Zionist lobby, Israel lobby, as well as the US uh, right-wing supporters and liberal, neoliberal corporate supporters, try to cover up for Israel by making it exceptional. It's separate, it's different, it's the only democracy in the region and so on. And we know all of this stuff is not really true and we don't even want to waste time on it. But what they're trying to do then is what they are, can do is silence. Silence people and silence people at the university where we are speaking to people's minds. We are providing critical thinking. We're not really telling students to do it. I mean, they, they tried multiple times to say, I'm brainwashing students. And students come and say, even Israeli students, Zionist students say, I took her class and I did really well. I got an A. It's not about, I did my work, okay? Because I am, I'm in it. We are. Ahmed is just a standard knowledge production program. It's defined as such. It's approved as such, every single level, including by CSU, all of it. So this is a program that maybe now they regret that they, they allowed it, allowed us to actually advocate for it and get it. So they would like to silence it because it is they don't want to legitimize knowledge production within campuses where we are speaking to younger people, where we are teaching, we're providing all of the information. So students don't know, we didn't know. They didn't know about the slavery. They did not know about settler colonialism. This is part of why the 68 strike, what we call the spirit of 68 at San Francisco State by Black Student Union Third World Liberation Fund rose and built a big coalition and so on. They want to nip it in the bud. They don't want to allow another 68 to happen. They are very much troubled by it. So they try to silence us because Israel is failing in its public relations. It is unable to justify what it's doing. So bullies, as we all know, do not go away. They get nastier and nastier and nastier, and they try to crush. And so their policy now is take no prisoners. They not only they do all of these things to you and make your life miserable and direct at you all sorts of psychological, emotional, political, bureaucratic, every single trick in the book that they can do, but they also try to take you out. So you cannot advocate for what you are doing. So this also adds more labor to us because in our insistence to have open classrooms, our insistence to speak to our publics, to our students inside and outside of the classroom. But one, my dean told me that the classroom is only for the students who are registered in it, i.e. those who pay. I said, I'm sorry, I believe in free education for all. And the students are not only inside, also and the, the Palestinians say prison is a university. But it's not only, I mean, this is a saying in the Palestine, but if you talk about the black prisoners in the U.S., you're talking about the indigenous prisoners, you're talking about all the people who fight for freedom. In prison, people also change and learn. And we have so many examples of that. So they would yeah. like to stop it. And they would like, so this takes much more work of us to do that. And so they get they get nastier and nastier and nastier. The, the good news for us is that they're losing. The bad news is that it takes so much work and it yeah. takes so much effort and it's intended as such. Yeah. None of it is accidental, none of it is random. What they what they try to do to us, I mean, we've been in two years. This this has been since 2020 and we haven't been able to have the classroom. And every single time we try to do a classroom, 
um, uh, Dr. Kinakao and I, we collaborate, we're, we're doing another classroom in two weeks about uh, historical denialism, about Japanese historical denialism, Zionist historical denialism, about Palestine, comfort women, the collaboration, because we all have like a lot of solidarity and collaboration working with each other uh, in the Bay Area and elsewhere. And it takes so much effort because we have no resources. I mean, Ahmed has zero budget. Yesterday, uh, the uh, financial dean of the college sent me a message saying, oh, we're going to give you more money. We are raising your work study from $1,800 a year, $1,800. We're giving you 500 more. <laughs> and I'm supposed to say thank you very much when we don't have staff, wow. we don't have a budget, we don't have faculty. I'm the only faculty member. You won't schedule my, our classes. And then you come and say, and that's what they argued, that our classes are low enrolled. You keep chipping at us. You, do, you mislabel the classes, you keep switching them, you hide them, hiding classes, hiding. What does it, and how is our students going to be able to register for, for hidden classes? How where are they going to find them? You do all of this stuff, you chop up everything, and then you blame the victim mm -hmm. for actually trying to speak up for themselves by trying to present us as angry terrorists, are too uppity, we're demanding things that we shouldn't have, we should just obey and be so grateful that we are getting these overworked positions and we're in it because we love our students. We are in it because we believe in it. And the good news is that our colleagues, our faculty colleagues, the union, the labor movement, people are actually very much like aware of learning more and more and more. So it's backfiring on them. So President Mahoney is very upset because the union has written several statements against her and criticized her and said that she was undemocratic. And I just want to mention something. This is also built upon Two years ago, the, the students, the Associated Students, student government, passed a resolution for divestment from Israel. And President Mohoney wrote them back. They deliberated for six months. Hmm. And they came with a democratic decision. And she said to me, I'm sorry, I'm not going to implement it. Right. I mean, so what's the point of actually democratic participation? And they claim that we are coming from uh, oppressive, repressive, dictatorial context and so on. So what are you doing here? What are you doing here? when you refuse to even implement decisions that are taken by a process that you agreed to, to start with. That's right, at a public university. <laughs> right. That's supposed to be for the public. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, we only have a few minutes left. Um, Rabab and Tamomi, I wonder if you can just kind of briefly comment on what happened at Yeshiva University. Uh, Rabab, you were invited to speak there. Um, and then the president of the law school or the president of, of the entire university itself um, decided to, to cancel the entire event without any explanation. Um, you know, this is yet another campaign to silence and censor Palestinian narratives and, and even any sort of discussion on Palestinian rights. Um, what are the students doing about it? And, and how do you see this situation taking yeah. place? And it's also backfiring, just like what's happening at San Francisco State. They try to silence us, and then everybody realizes what's going on, and we actually garner more support than we ever had before. So these two young uh, Jewish uh, second-year law students contacted me in October, and we've been talking again and again, and they wanted to invite me, and I said, can you at least contribute to Ahmed? Can you at least contribute to the work we're doing? And so on. This, they said, we have no money. I said, okay, so I'll just do it for you. No problem. And so we went, we negotiated, we get to the point where I was supposed to go. 
and they wanted me to zoom in and I said no I will come actually in person because it's not doesn't make sense for the students to be gathered in a room and have somebody zoomed in since I am in the East Coast I will come and so we started actually thinking about security and talking to, to all our friends in Washington Heights and New York and so on to be supportive and then it was less than a week the students the two students get called by the dean of the Cardoz de los School and told that the president of Yeshiva University himself intervened and canceled the event and they said no we don't want to cancel it so they called me and we talked about it and they said we don't want to cancel it but then they couldn't actually have it because the university canceled the vending the the the, the, the food the dinner order that they had and then they canceled the venue they canceled the reservation so it wasn't actually even possible to have it and the students really courageous young which is also takes about the labor they are doing human rights law their second year students they're very very excited what is going on there the that the, they wrote an amazing statement. Uh, they contacted, they had 13 student clubs supporting them. They circulated an internal petition. Over 120 students. Students are writing them and saying, what do you want? What do you want to do? We want now there are there are they're mobilizing a coalition that people, different civil rights and uh, legal organizations and uh, um, uh, Palestine support and Jewish Voice for Peace and many organizations are actually supporting. They're outraged. Because and the thing is, is that Yeshiva actually hosted two very right wing, uh, right wing violent racists. I mean, this is the thing is that I was accused of anti-Semitism several times and every single time all the, the investigation and so proved, which is humiliating to even have to go through it. But I was proven that this is not true. All the accusations were not true and so on. And the students actually have done their work because they're law students. They are learning to become lawyers. And so, and then the university actually even said we're not going to we're not going to be hosting her. And they invited me to speak about kind of like collaboration, how people can work together, mm -hmm. what students can. So the question is that what are they afraid of? Yeah, I'm always what are you afraid of? So they are insisting they're building, they're insisting to have me back, and I insist to go back. And I'm I'm, I'm working with the students hand in hand, and they are amazing. Two young feminist activists. Uh, women who are like bearing the brunt and of this and the silencing and and they're very courageous and they're doing it so we're going to have the event at yeshiva university as we're going to have our classroom great <laughs> um finally tomomi um what can you say about you know the 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 current atmosphere right now and what your students are telling you um in terms of you know when they see you going through this kind of harassment by the institution um, when all you're doing is trying to teach your classes um, you know what what do you tell them and 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 what are the next steps that 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 you know supporters not just students at at SF state but supporters out in the general public can do to support both you and Rabab so um, my, my students um, who got to attend um, Ahmed WGS uh, Open Classrooms, they all um, have been um, like appreciating what they learned in the class. And like they have spoken very passionately, like how much that actually transforms their understanding of um, you know, um, racial gender, Justice and like anti-colonial, um, decolonial movements, and um, and um, you know, in Palestine, um, 
Muslim feminism and so forth, like then feminism in general, like they how they the um the those costumes were really um you know, life transforming for them, and um and and also so they get really um many uh, so when I tell them what happened in 2020, many of them are like students are. Some of them are, are like in disbelief, and then and many of them do say like um, it is unacceptable that that is happening on their campus, and I think they relate to that through their own frustration about like their experience on campuses throughout this pandemic time, and like many students, I mean, in, I teach women and gender studies courses, so I got to hear like their more like a personal stories um, as a part of this, um, you know, our feminist work. And, um, and so they, I, I think they do understand like, um, that's like all the, their struggles. Um, and like, you know, the, um, what we are um, struggling with, with the Ahmed and Dr. Abdurhadi, um, those are all connected. And, um, and also the last year um, after um, the, for like a first veto by um, President Mahoney, um, Alma and I and uh, students, graduate students, um, labor and like uh, also six day strikers, um, all of them and faculty members um, got together and did a rally on campus um, in support of Dr. Abdurhadi and Ahmed. And, um, and so there's like a growing movement um, on campus despite the fact that there's a lot of repression on campus. Um, and um, also um, US Acqui uh, led a campaign to um, demand uh, President Mahoney's resign, I mean, uh, resignment, um, resignation, sorry. Um, and, um, and then San Fran I think Dr. Abdurhadi already mentioned that how um, like a San Francisco uh, Labor Council also issued a resolution in support of us. Um, and so I think it, it is, we are looking at the growing movement and um, and um, and that's like our colleague, like a Dr. Robin Kelly, who was supporting US, US Archivist um, campaign, like mentioned that how, like what, we are looking at this connected to what's happening with the critical race theory, ethnic studies, and like, um, like what the president at SFSU, like the administration at SFSU, is doing is is a making a very dangerous precedent um, in this very difficult time. I mean, like a very dangerous time, and so so I think like we if we 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 really need to like keep pressing and like, uh, like expanding our like movements to um, and um, to support existing movements. Yeah. Um, so. Thank you. Um, thank you, Tomomi Kunukawa and Rabab Abdulhadi, both professors at San Francisco State University um, and members of the AMED, or Rabab is the only member of the AMED studies program <laughs> there at SF State. Um, if people want to learn more about AMED studies and support uh, both of you, where can they go? They can go. There is a, on uh, on online. There is a um, the campaign to support Rabal Abdul Hadi. Okay. 
Great. And we'll, we'll link to it and we'll also um, have it on the, the podcast post. They signed, they signed the, the, the petition to demand the resignation of uh, President Mahoney and holding accountability and demanding that San Francisco State implement the, 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 the decisions by the faculty hearing panel and attend the next hearing uh, for uh, my colleague, Professor Tomo Wikinikawa. Just come and support us, show us love, show us support, stay, show up for us when you need, as we need to show up for all movements for justice. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Rabab Abdulhadi and Tomomi Kinokawa. Um, thank you for all of your work and your tireless work. I hope you get some rest soon. <laughs> and thank you. Thank you. Of course. Thank you. Thanks for watching this video. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit like, leave a comment. These engagements help us with the YouTube algorithm and it helps us to get around Silicon Valley censorship as much as possible. It does make a difference. You can also support our journalism by going to electronicintifada.net and clicking on donate now. Thank you.